Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Louis Wachleski. I'm the proud parent of the little guy who likes to take laps around during uh, worship. So that's his, I, I believe that's his form of worship. So it's always a joy to see that, him running around and um, enjoying his time. So once in a while, I watch TV on Fridays and usually to unwind and uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I came across this uh, show called What Would You Do? And it's a hidden camera show that's usually based on current events happening. They use actors to make a mock situation. situation, And then for that, they, u- they watch people react. Real people, they put them in these positions that you kind of feel uncomfortable with them and you're like, what are they going to do? And it's basically, yeah, see where they're going to go, how they're going to react. Hence the title, What Would You Do? Some of the situations have people not having enough money. It could be someone with a different religion and how people are re- reacting to them, telling them to get out of the store, etc. It really shows how people react. It also shows the goodness in people like a good neighbor. For me, sometimes I feel like I'm kind of on this show in a minor sense. Some people will just start up conversations with me. Um, Doesn't matter if it's a stranger or a coworker at the grocery store or they'll even come up to me while I'm reading a book, which is the international symbol for I'd love to talk. (laughs) <laughs> Since naturally I'm kind of an introvert, I, I kind of hold back. I, I question their motives. I think about, what are you trying to sell me? What, what do you want? You know, How long is this going to be? It took me a while, but God started to steer me towards listening to these people, trying to see where they're coming from. And as Rob has talked about, trying to get to the question behind the question. What is going on in their life that they want to talk to me about? The question is that now comes to mind, how do I show Jesus to them? It might be a listening ear. It might be showing patience to my wife and kids when I really don't want to. (laughs) It may be offering support, insight, guidance, We're put in situations like this all the time. It is all about what we choose during that time, how we react. It's like a pop quiz, and our reactions are the answers to that quiz. There are many situations in the Bible where we can see Jesus responding to people. Jesus shows both truth and grace. He lets the person know where they are standing and lets them know where they should stand on an issue. Jesus defies first century Jewish law. He eats and talks with major sinners of the day. He meets with them where they're at. Our passage today is on a parable that Jesus gives a Jewish man who is an expert, an expert in the law, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Before we start, we kind of need a, a little background of the passage get some context what leads up to this. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 9, 
verse uh, 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent some messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Jesus turned and rebuked them. Kind of, um, chapter 9 is kind of the start of Jesus' ministry towards Jerusalem. So this is, this is him gearing up for his, his final mission. So you see there's not only tension and hostility between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They weren't friends. So this brings us to our passage for today. We see that some of Jesus' closest disciples wanted God to send out fire to burn up the Samaritan village. But leading up to this next passage, this definitely shows that there are some hostility going on. So in uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25, one day an expert of religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip to Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But then he saw a man lying there. He crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. He put the man on his donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes, 
Go now and do the same. Now, the Samaritan in the story becomes a neighbor to this man in this horrible predicament. He not only helps, he exceeds what should be expected. Giving care, anointing wounds, cleaning them, getting rid of all the dirt from the, from the road. He finds lodging. He gives them a ride. He pays for the lodging. This is very similar to what Hebrew people should have done in their, to their own visitors during this time. If you look at the topography of the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, you'll see that it's rugged, it's bleak, it's rocky. It's a perfect place for someone to surprise attack another, to steal from them. So this makes sense to a first century um, Palestinian person. They know that there are bandits, there are people there that can rob. So not only is there tension and and hostility between the Jews and Samaritans. We have the Samaritans who are despised by the Jews. What Jesus does is he shows that he's preparing them for what is to happen. As we look at Jesus' teaching about the Good Samaritan, let's not forget what happened in the late of the last chapter when Jesus rebukes John and James for wanting God to call down fire on the Samaritan village. So you have James and John. They're buddies with Jesus. They're his top disciples, if you will. So you have these guys. Let's destroy this whole village. Have God take care of it. And Jesus has um, basically comes back to show them what a true neighbor is. From this passage, there are two questions asked. One, trying to figure out how a person stands in God's eye, maybe to question Jesus on what to do. The second is to define what Jesus thought our neighbor is. As most Jesus answers, he doesn't answer in a way the questioner would like him to. He goes beyond the question. He answers the question behind the question. Who is my neighbor? This question is for a man to was to, for the man to justify himself, to limit the extent of the law's demand and his own responsibility. Jesus' answer directly confronts the Jewish man with the way that they think of Jewish hierarchy. First, a priest walks up to the beaten naked man, passes on the other side. The second, the Levite does the same. Both regarded as high officials in the Jewish thought of first century. The last, however, is an enemy of the Jewish man, the Samaritan. From the time period between the last word written in the Old Testament to the time when Jesus asked this question, Samaritans were regarded as lesser. There is animosity towards them. That leads up to the next of Jesus' teaching about our neighbor, really with an exclamation point. My question to you is, who is your neighbor? Do you regard people living closely 
in a close proximity to you where you live? Or do you take a different approach? Are you taking acts of the Good Samaritan into your own life by caring for a person regarded in some in the community as an enemy? Right now we have political candidates discussing who we should let into our country as an immigrant, who should who gets to come in. Sometimes as Americans we want to project what we believe is ours like the first century Palestinian Jews. We want to hold on to what makes people, what makes us feel comfortable. We enjoy our ways of life. We don't want that to change. We are reluctant to let people into our lives if they don't do the same thing. If we do that, we dearly miss out on a huge amount of acts done in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament making a place for an outsider to be welcome into their homes and their community. Regardless of who you want to vote for, take a step back as an American. Take a step forward as a Christian. I want you to look at the scripture or at scripture and decide how Jesus reacted to outsiders, how the law of the Old Testament wants us to respond to people who are foreign to where we live. We are all made in the image of God. If you struggle with this at times, which I think we all can, ask God to help you start seeing people for who they are in his eyes and heart. Now, normally I, I don't do this, but I want to, you to turn to a few people sitting around and share, brainstorm um, ways that you can help others. Take a few minutes to think of at least one thing that you can do to embrace those who are different from you or the outsiders in your community, workplace, or school. Thanks for sharing, everyone. As we continue reading some of Luke's account, we can go to Acts, which is Luke's second works of Christians after Jesus' death. And... In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, from your hometown to your state to over the border where there may have been disagreements about the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. So who do you regard as your neighbor? And in times of need, are you going to act in love or are you going to walk across to the other side of the road, ignore the problem? Do we choose love or do we choose hate and destruction? One of my favorite pastors, not named Rob, is a pastor named Brian Loritz. He has a saying um, that goes something like this. As Christians, we are known more for what we are against than what we are for. We're for Jesus. So I want you to be like that jingle from State Farm Insurance, like a good neighbor. 
Will you be there? How does your faith in Jesus Christ affect you every day? Jesus is our all. When life is hard, we go to Jesus. When life is good, we thank Jesus. When life is boring, go to Jesus. When life is sad, hard, go to Jesus. Now when I say these things, I'm not saying that um, you need to go to Jesus right away. Sometimes figure things out on your own. We try to solve our problems, our work situations, our life, our friends' lives. I'm not saying this to make you feel bad for missed opportunities. I've had plenty of those. What I'm saying is the next time, be helpful. Ask God, how can I be there? Show them who Jesus is. I'm sure God will lead you and show you how to follow Christ's example, not just to be a good neighbor, but a great one. Father, we thank you for this time of looking at uh, your parables, your, your stories of how to be Christians, how to embrace others, how to love. Father, I, I pray that um, as we go throughout this Labor Day weekend and the next week, that we would act on when those situations happen, that we would trust you, Lord, that we would be a great neighbor. We pray this in Jesus' name.